We are uh, finishing, actually closing it out, finishing a series today called As You Go. And it's a series about evangelism. It's a series about uh, sharing our faith and sharing it with other people. And uh, it's a big, big deal for us. It's part of our vision and mission as a church. Uh, it's just part of the heartbeat we have in terms of just individual followers of Christ because we've been called to do it. Um, it's, uh, the as-you-go phrase comes from a charge that was given by Jesus to his disciples. Uh, and, you know, we're going to read it in part in Matthew 10, but it was also echoed uh, as his last words before his ascension, after his resurrection. Uh, he shared, hey, you know, as you go, and it says, go and make disciples among the nations. And so uh, we know it's a big deal for Jesus. We, it's a big deal for us as a church. Uh, this has been our theme passage over the last several weeks. I want to read it again. Uh, we're reading out of the message paraphrase. It's just a par- Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of this passage. I just love the words. This is what it says in Matthew 10. It says, Jesus sent his 12 harvest hands out with this charge. Don't begin by traveling to some far off place to convert unbelievers. And don't try to be dramatic by tackling some public enemy. He says, go into the lost and the confused and the people right here in the neighborhood. Tell them that the kingdom is here. Bring health to the sick and raise the dead. Touch the untouchables. Kick out demons. You've been treated generously, so live generously. And over the last couple of weeks, they've gone on to share more context, but that's kind of been our theme uh, verse or several verses for this series. Why? Because the topic's very important. It's why we talk about it as a church, why it's part of our uh, core ambitions in terms of leading brings hope, not just to others, but to you as well as a follower. And so it's a part of our vision statement. We are, right, transformed people changing our friends' lives by absolute hope. That's our vision uh, as a church. We also put it on the, the window out front so you can see it and be reminded of it every, day, every week you come, right? That's who we are. And as our staff worked to kind of form the words, it was, you know, it was originally just kind of formed out of the heart and culture of our church. But it's so great. That about a week later, I was reading Scripture, and all of the, the entire vision of our church just jumped out of a passage of Scripture for me. And I was, you know, I love it when God does. That's a little God wink, right, when something like that happens. So I love that. And this is 2 Corinthians 5. Uh, this, is the, this is what I was reading. It says, this means talking about the gospel, that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person, right? Transform people. That's who we are. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. It says, and all of this is a gift from God, right? Who brought us back to himself through Christ. That's the absolute hope that we're talking about. This gift of salvation, this gift through Jesus. And God has given us the task of reconciling people back to him. And he goes on to say, if God, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them, he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. It says, for we, so we are Christ's ambassadors, right? That's us changing our friends' lives. We are his ambassadors. God's making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Evangelism itself is really not just information. Many people just think it's just sharing um, the message and the gospel of Jesus. It's not just information. It's, it's information that leads to an invitation. You know, evangelism is always information that leads to an invitation, a come back to God, a reconciliation uh, message. That's what actual evangelism is. And so Zach started us off by, by ending with the challenge that we are, right? We are ambassadors to hope. Ambassadors of hope to those around us. That's who we are. 
We are those ambassadors. We're, we're not supposed to have our eyes so set on this world, on this time, in this culture, uh, to build our empires and to collect as much stuff as we can collect. That's not our goal. That's not our charge. This is a temporary home in light of eternity. This is a temporary time in light of eternity. We belong to the kingdom of God, and we're ambassadors to those who have yet to be welcomed back, yet to come back to God. Well, how do we do that? Well, we share our story, and that's what Donnie talked about last week. Donnie talked about just, you know, what's, the, what's it look like to share your story? Now, I'll be honest. Your story really doesn't matter that much, and I want you to understand that in context, right? Your story about how, you know, your grit and your hustle and you just being your authentic you and the best you you can be and all that stuff, like, it makes great social media posts, but it means jack squat to the rest of the world, Okay. What really matters when you share your story, and this is what Donnie shared last week, is you've got to find where your story intersects with God's story. Right? You've got to find where your story intersects with the gospel, your story that intersects with Jesus who changes everything. Right? We sing about that on Sunday morning. That's what matters in your story, is when your story intersects with his story. That's the part that matters. And both Don and, and Zach shared um, some of the terminology that we use here at the church in terms of who it is we're sharing our story with. Like, who is it that God's already placed in our life that we're sharing our story with? We use the phrase top five. I mean, raise your hand if you've heard us use that phrase before, top five. Good. Yeah, probably in this series alone, right? Now, top five doesn't mean five. Just want you to hear that. I have to say that out loud. It could be three, could be 10, could be seven. It doesn't really matter. Top five is just a label. It's just a, it's just a way to categorize something that you have intentionally thought about, that you've intentionally created, that you've intentionally uh, formed in your mind of who it is in your circle of influence, in your circle of accountability, who it is that God's placed you in their life and them in your life. And we use some other phrases to help you figure out who they are. We've said this before. It's where you live, live, learn, work, and play. We use the word learn because of students in our, in our church. Students are not. This is all part of it for you as well. Uh, where you live, learn, work, and play. These are your family. These are your friends. These are your coworkers and classmates. These are your neighbors, right? They're your network and associates. And I have to put God appointments down because, quite frankly, God could interrupt your life and introduce you to somebody that you don't know and for the primary purpose of you sharing absolute hope with them. So it, could, it doesn't just have to be those who you know and have long-term relationship with. It can go as far as associates or brand new people that you meet, and it's a God appointment for you to share uh, just through conversation or something that shows up that shares your story with them, where your story meets his story. And so I, I know you have a top five. The question is, do you know your top five, right? I know you have a top five. Everybody does. We all have circles, unless you're just this like hermit that lives alone and I don't know why you're here, right? I mean, I'm just like, I, I, unless you're just somebody who doesn't connect with anyone, you have people in your life. You are doing life with any number of those people. And, you, you know, you've been placed in those people's lives not by accident. It's been on purpose. God has you connected to who you're connected to for a reason. He has you here for a reason, for purpose. And so when we talk about this top five, I say, you know, I, you know, I know you have a top five. It's what you know, unites all of us in the room. The difference maker is, do we live as if we actually know who they are? 
Do we live in such a way that we're, we're, uh, you know, we're praying for them? Do we live in such a way that we understand that our testimony and, and, and the light that we shine is, is something that is given for their benefit? Do we understand that sharing our story of grace with other believers is nice and encouraging, but your story of transformation, your story of faith, your story of grace is really for people who don't know God? It's, 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 it's wonderful to encourage each other in the faith. But your story, where it intersects with his story, is for those who don't know yet. And we share, are we sharing that story? Is that a part of, of what, we, what we intentionally do in our life? And the answer is that most of us don't. Most of us don't live this way. All right? And that's most believers. I'm talking about followers and believers of Christ. Most of us don't live this way. Why? Well, we've talked about several reasons over the last several weeks in terms of some of the hang-ups and hurdles and things that we run into and why we don't live sort of these intentional lives. But um, I wanna, I'm going to talk about one aspect of it today, and, and the best way to do that is to center the, around the word responsibility, okay? Responsibility. I want to talk specifically about why we don't live this way, uh, you know, intentionally have this in our mind by using the word responsibility, and I want to give you a truth. I tried to formulate this in the best I can. It's a, it's, a, it's a biblical truth, a biblical tension, if you will, that is true, but is the thing that kind of hangs us up sometimes when it comes to sharing our story and sharing our faith and sharing Jesus with others. And that's this statement. We are responsible for, lo- for lostness, but we are not responsible for salvation. We are responsible for the lostness of the people around us, for the, for the people in this world, for the people who are in the kingdom of darkness. We are responsible. We, followers of Christ, are responsible for them. But we're not responsible for salvation. And, and this is, a, again, this is a tension. Because there's, there's, well, the first part of it is some people don't live this way because they don't actually feel responsible. So that's just point number one. Hopefully this series has been helpful. That's why we do a series like this. That's why we share that through leading, you know, our, our core ambitions, that leading brings hope. We want you to understand that this is a responsibility, that it's not just a privilege of grace to be a child of God, but there's a responsibility that comes with it. There is a call. There is a command, right? It's not a suggestion. Jesus didn't say, you know, if you got time, right? If it's convenient for you, make some disciples, right? It's a call. It's a command. It's a, it's a charge, and we're responsible for it. So if you've never felt that responsibility, part of what we're talking about today and even over this week is for you to feel the weight of that, to feel a little bit of the weight of the responsibility that comes with the fact that you are responsible to share Jesus with the world, and especially those in your circle, especially those in your top five. Now, the problem with that is that a lot of believers know they're responsible. They already know they're responsible for it, and it's the responsibility that causes them to not do it. Okay, I know it sounds weird to say that, but some don't feel responsible and don't do it, and some know they're responsible, and it causes paralysis. It causes them to be overwhelmed with fear because, number one, they don't feel like they know enough in order to share faith with others. They don't know how to explain the complexities of God. They don't know how to, how to explain away some of the mystery of God so that they can share faith in a way that they, fe- they think will compel others to follow. And so they're just waiting to get more information and more experience and more understanding. And they don't live that way and they don't share anything. Some feel the responsibility 
but are overwhelmed with the fact that it's going to change relationships. They don't share anything in, at coworkers and friends because they know when they share that and they, this person doesn't want to follow and this person doesn't care what you believe and this person doesn't feel the same way, that it's going to, it's going to change the relationship you have with them. It's going to change your family. It's going to change your friendships. So we don't share. We know we're responsible, but we know it's going to change things. And the other part of it is we know we're responsible, but as Donnie shared in a great example last week, we know we're responsible, but it is a, it is a, cold, it is a cold glass of water. It is a hard pill to swallow, to share your faith in Jesus and to share the gospel message with someone and to hear them say no, that they don't care, they don't believe, and that they will risk it. They will take eternity on their terms. That's hard, guys. That's hard. So we feel responsible. Some of us, as followers, we feel responsible, but we, we live inactive lives when it comes to this because of all these things that just overwhelm us. And part of it is just this understanding of what are we actually responsible for? And that's what I'm going to talk about today. What are we actually responsible for? Because we are responsible. We are responsible for the lostness in our circles, the lostness of our top five, the, the, the people that God has placed in our life. We are responsible. But the biblical tension is that you can't save anyone, right? You can't save anyone. That's not in your power. You don't, you're not responsible to do the saving, but you are responsible for their lostness. And so thank God, right? Jesus actually taught about this. Thank God that Jesus actually, you know, taught very clearly what our responsibility is when it comes to sharing our story, when it comes to sharing the light of the gospel, when it comes to sharing absolute hope in Jesus Christ, so that we don't have to get confused about that. It was in a parable. We're going to go, if you have your Bible with you, you can turn to Mark chapter 4. I'll put it on the screen for those online and, and those of you that are, you don't want to look in your Bible yourself. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. But um, this is a wonderful opportunity where Jesus is teaching. Now, um, Jesus taught with parables all the time. What, a lot of people try to teach parables, and they'll try to extrapolate you know, all sorts of different truth from parables, usually parables. Let me just say this. Usually parables only had one primary truth. Jesus took the complexity of God and brought it to something simple, which is what a parable is. It's the complexity of God into something simple for us to understand. And sometimes we have, a, just like this opportunity, we don't just get to hear the parable we don't have to spend a whole lot of time talking about it because he actually explains to the disciples what the parable meant. So we don't have to like live in darkness. We get to just like, oh, Jesus says, let me explain it to you. So here we are in Mark chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 1. It says, once again, Jesus began teaching by the lakeshore. A very large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat. It says, he sat in the boat while the people remained on the shore. He taught them by telling many stories in the form of parables such as this one. Now understand, Mark, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the synoptic gospels, all record this story. And there's a reason, you'll see in a minute, why Jesus taught many parables in that moment, but this is one that they all kind of remember, right? This is the one that stuck out to them. My assumption is, is that the majority of the parables all had to do with a similar theme. So here's the one that, that, that kind of sticks out. Here's the one they record. It says, listen, a farmer went out to plant some seed. As he scattered it across the field, some of the seed fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate it. 
says, other seed fell on shallow soil and, and with underlying rock. And the seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plant soon wilted under the hot sun. And since it didn't have deep roots, it died. It says, other seed fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants, so they produced no grain. The plant was there, but it didn't produce any fruit, didn't produce any grain. It says, still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they sprouted and grew and produced a crop that was 30 and 60 and even 100 times as much as had been planted. And then Jesus says, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. And that's a weird kind of cryptic thing. We're going to explain it in a minute, but hey, anyone with ears to hear, you should understand. Well, we all have ears, right? And then it says later on, when Jesus was alone with the 12 disciples and with the others that were gathered there, they asked him, what did the parables mean? Hey, Jesus, tell us what the farmer and the seed meant. Now, one of the, I won't read the few verses, but one of the things Jesus quickly responds and says, he says, listen, guys, here's the reason I teach in parables. And this is the reason for that cryptic statement, for those who have ears, let them hear and understand, is that Jesus said, you know, there's a, there's a prophecy written that, that, that people on the outside looking in are not really going to understand what I do. And they're not really going to understand what I say. But to those who want to, to those who have ears, to those who are attuned, to those paying attention they will be able to listen and understand. And then he tells the disciples, I'm going to explain this to you. And here's what he says. He says, the farmer plants seed by taking, yeah, by taking God's word to others. If you don't remember anything else today, if you don't remember any scripture or any bottom lines or any points today, I want you to remember this verse. Let's just read this verse out loud together. Verse 14. You ready? The farmer plants seed by taking God's word to others. Let's just read it one more time. The farmer plants seed by taking God's word to others. That's, that's what this parable is all about. Very simple. One sentence. The farmer plants seed by taking God's word to others. And then he goes on to give the description of the soil. He goes on to say, hey, the seed that fell, this is God's word, he said, the seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have Satan come at once and take it away. They hear it, but doesn't retain, doesn't do anything. Satan comes at once and takes it away. He says, the seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. It takes, right? They immediately receive it with joy. And then it goes on to say, but since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. And he goes on to say, the seed that fell on among the thorns represents others who hear God's word, but are all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, by the lure of wealth, and by desire for other things. So no fruit is produced. And then he gives the fourth example, and he says, and the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much has been planted. And that's it. Jesus says, oh, I'm so glad you want to know. I'm so glad you have ears to hear, to listen and understand. Let me just tell you what this is. The farmer 
The farmer spreads this seed by taking God's word to others. And then he describes this. There are three characters or three characteristics, if you will, from the, from the parable that Jesus highlights. Okay, now I remember when I was, I remember hearing this a long time ago. Uh, it was always the seed, the sower, and the soil, right? Isn't that good Baptist, all S's, right? You know, seed, sower, and soil. But because the NLT uses the word farmer, I'm using the word farmer. There's the first thing you see is the seed, right? That's God's word. Doesn't change. That's, that, it doesn't even have, he doesn't even feel the need to, just, to even talk more about it. That's what the seed is. It's God's word. And at the end, all the examples you see is of the soil. Now, for our context, I'm going to say top five. Okay? I'm going to talk about your friends, your circle. Okay, But really, the soil is anyone. Anyone who hears the word of God, anyone who, who receives God word, God's word is the soil that he's talking about. About. And then right there in the middle, right, right there in the middle is us. And I'm using that phrase from the message in, in Matthew 10. I'm using the phrase of, we are the harvest hands. That's us. So when he talks about all the soil, even though the soil seems to be the, the focus of conversation, for our context, we need to remember and understand who we are and what we're responsible for. So, so there's the seed, and then there's the soil. Which get a little, the soil gets a lot of conversation, but who are we? Who, who are we? We are the harvest hands, right? The followers of Christ. That's who we are. That's us. That's our role in the story. That's our part to play. That's what we are responsible for. And, and the reason you have to know this, the reason that this is so important, is because you need to know what you're not responsible for. Some of the reason you get overwhelmed and some of the reason people feel uh, kind of paralyzed by thinking, overthinking things is because they honestly think they're responsible for so many other things. But you are actually only responsible as the farmer, as the sower, to sow the seed. You're not responsible. Well, there's lots of things you're not responsible for. You are not responsible to do anything to change the seed. You know what? You are, listen, we are not responsible to make the Word of God a little bit more relevant to today's relevant culture. Right? We're not responsible. We are not responsible to smooth out the rough edges. We are not responsible to try to explain away the mysteries that are in the Word of God. We're not responsible to make it tolerable and palatable for those who are listening. We are not responsible for that. Okay? We're not responsible to make it less offensive for our current sort of, you know, snowflake generation. I got news for you. The Word of God's offensive. It judges us. That's the role. That's, the, that's part of the role of the Word of God is to help us understand in light of who we are. It's known as a mirror. It's talked about as, as being a mirror of truth so that we can rightly see who we are. I thought, I, you know, you've heard me say it before when people are like, I don't like what the Bible says. I don't like sometimes what the Bible says. Join the club. You don't think I want gluttony to not be a sin? Look at me, right? There's so many other things that I would love for it to not be a problem, not be a sin. But it's not my job. It's not my responsibility, which is what a lot of people take on. It's not my responsibility to try to change the Word of God to appeal to this culture. Why? Because Jesus doesn't really care what people want. He knows what people need. 
and they need absolute hope, and they need absolute truth. That's what they need. He doesn't care what people want. He knows what they need. So it's not our responsibility. It's not our responsibility to explain away, you know, what is a sin and is not a sin and what's stated in Scripture. It's just, it's not our role. Our role is to sow God's Word, to share the message, to share the message through our story as it intersects with his story. There's another thing we're not responsible for. We are not responsible for the soil. We are not res- we can't do anything to change someone's heart. Nod your head if you agree with me. Right? We can't do anything to change someone's heart. We can't do a single thing to save anyone. We can't do anything to help create lasting change in their life. Oh, we can get emotional. We can manipulate someone into saying a prayer. We can twist and turn some things to try to get an outcome that we'd like. But I'm telling you, it's a short, it's 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 a short-term change. It's not something lasting. It doesn't actually change the heart. It's not our job. It's not our responsibility to change the soil, to try to figure that out. Because we can't. God, it is, it is his harvest. He is the Lord of the harvest. And you know another thing, it's not our job to pre-qualify who has good soil. Right? It's not our job to pre-qualify who has good soil and who gets to hear the message of God. You know, one of the more popular ones in our culture today is Homosexuality. You know, you have people that work with, you have people at school, you have people that you're connected to, they're part of your circle. And you, you know, again, it's not your job to explain away why the Bible calls it a sin or what, how, the, how God views it. But you, sometimes you in the effort to be their friend and to show love, you kind of pre-qualify them as to whether or not they're ready to hear the gospel, as to whether or not they're ready to hear about the absolute hope of Jesus. Well, they're probably not going to change or they're probably not going to, you know, they're probably not ready to do that. That's not your job. That's not your responsibility to worry about the soil. you got to worry about your soil, yeah. It's not your job to worry about theirs. In this context, in this story, you are the sower. You are the farmer. Your job is to share the gospel. You do not need to pre-qualify who is. We say, it, we say this at Journey quite a bit. We do not say people's no for them, Right? We don't say someone's no for them. And you have no idea what God's doing in someone's heart. You have no idea what God's already doing in the soil of someone's heart and what your role will be in the story. Your job is to sow the seeds. How many, raise your hand if you've ever sown seed in your life. I know that's a weird example. Yeah, like not even a quarter of you, right? Isn't that weird? You should just buy some seed today and try it, okay? Just try it. Just figure out, just so that you understand the reason he tells the story the way he does is sowing seed is just a crapshoot. You don't know where it's going to go. Everybody with me? Nod your head if you're with me. You sow seed like this, and it just lands. You don't know exactly where it's going to land. When you sow seed, it says, hey, some's going to land on a path. Some's going to land on rocky soil. Some's going to land here, and some will land on fertile soil. Your job isn't to figure that out. Your job is to sow seeds. That's your job. That's your responsibility. What does that look like? Well, I like the way Paul describes it. Paul describes it in a, in, a, in a letter to the church in Corinth. He's talking about his role, and he's talking about Peter, and he's talking about another uh, preacher named Apollos. He starts describing this in 1 Corinthians 3. 
he, he tries to describe their roles. And let me just share it this way. He says, who is Apollos? He's kind of just making that question out loud. Hey, who is Apollos and who is Paul? Like, who are we? And he answers it by saying, we are only God's servants through whom you believe the good news. Each of us did the work the Lord gave us. Like, we had a job to do. We had a responsibility. That's what we did. Who's Apollos? Who's Peter? Who's me? That's who we are. And then he goes on to say, I, this is Paul saying it. Hey, I planted the seed. That was all I did. And Apollos watered it. He just continued. He, he encouraged. He cared for it. But it was, read those words, God who made it grow. Oh, that's a big one, guys. It was God who made it grow. It's the Lord of the harvest. That's who he is. The harvest is his. It's not ours. It's his. We have a job to do. We have a responsibility. We have a role. And here's Paul. I planted the seed. You know, Paul's watered it. That's part of what we do. But it was God who made it grow. Keep going. He said, it's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. This isn't about taking credit. He says, what, important is, what is important is that God makes the seed grow. Let, another translation says, it's God who gives the increase. And he goes on to say, just, you know, the one who plants and the one who waters work together for the same purpose. They have the same purpose. Both will be rewarded for their own hard work. We are both God's workers. That's the role. That's what you're responsible for. Right? You're not responsible to change the God's word. God's word is never going to change. It's never going to change. It doesn't need to change. Again, God doesn't care what we want. He cares about what we need, and he always gives us what we need. And what we need is an absolute hope, an absolute truth to cling and hold our lives to. And he says, you know, you're not going to figure out the soil. Now, yes, part of the passage, you need to understand the soil that you have when you receive God's word. I mean, if you're in the position to hear, which we all are, there's an element of the angle you can look at that. But right now, this is, you need to know who you are in this context. You are the sower. You don't need to figure out who the soil is. You don't need to figure out what it is. When you, when you sow seed, you could sow the seed in the exact same place, and you don't know what's changing about the soil. That's why I love, he says, hey, I, I, you know, I planted the seed, but Apollos watered it. There's a role every time you share your story of grace, every time you share the light of Jesus with someone. You don't know if it's the first time, but you don't know how much you're doing to help water and help care for and help encourage and nourish the truth that is in their heart. The truth that maybe right now they're rejecting, but that's part of your job. That's part of your role is to keep sowing and keep sowing and keep sowing. That's our role. We are his harvest hands, right? That's us. And he sent us out and said, as you go, make disciples. All nations. Oh, we're going to be involved in global outreach. We're never not going to be involved in that. Sure, we're going to be involved in everything in terms of our city. We have a heart for our city, and we want to bring hope to the Lake Norman region. That We're going to continue to do that as a church. But you and me individually, individually here, we have circles. We have top fives. We have this, this circle of responsibility in our life. And when I say responsibility, I hope you hear the word accountability. I want you to hear the word accountability because maybe you haven't crossed that line and you feel responsible yet, but let me, just, let me just point this out to you. Anything that God commands, you and I will answer for. Everybody with me? It's a hard thing to nod your head with. I'm going to say it one more time. 
Anything that God commands, we will be held in account for. Whether we did it or whether we didn't, we will be accountable. This is one of those things we are responsible for. And we will be held in account for it. And so how does that change things for you? Right? How does that change things for you in your life? To understand what you are really truly responsible for and what you're not responsible for. You know, when you go to work and, and Bob is, Bob, I, I don't know who Bob is, but Bob, you know, Bob's having trouble at home and, you know, you sit across from Bob and you, you work with Bob and, you know, your first, you're a good Christian, man, your first go-to prayer is God help Bob, you know? How many have whipped up those prayers in a quick moment, right? God help Bob. Well, you know what? God did help Bob. He put you in front of Bob, Right? Like, what if you began to see Bob, your coworker, part of your top five? He's your responsibility. You need to help Bob. Well, doesn't that change your prayer? Dear Lord, help me figure out how to help Bob, right? That's a much better prayer. Help me. God, give me the tools. Give me the words. Give me the insight. Give me the, the opportunity, right, to share with Bob about this absolute hope. You talk to your neighbor, this is a big yard sale season, you go out and talk to your neighbor, she's telling you about her new diet and the new workout thing she's on, to, and the, she's hearing her true voice inside and all that garbage, and you're listening to her, and, you know, and you've seen her make bad decisions, and you've seen the things that she's done, and, and the reality is, is that you know, maybe your instinct is, but well, I sure hope she figures it out one day. Well, guys, she, you're there for a reason. You're there. You're the neighbor for a reason. I start having conversations with her that matter. Start finding opportunities and crossroad moments for you to share an, a choice for her. Then maybe it's not all those other things, and maybe, just maybe, it's Jesus. Because you know the source of joy, and you know the source of peace, and you know the source of hope for their life. I, I just want to challenge us today that when we properly, when we properly understand what we're responsible for, Yes, there is a weight to it. Yes, there's responsibility and accountability to what we're responsible for. But when you can be free of the things you're not responsible for, I believe we would live our lives differently. I believe we would take the, the, the command seriously. And as you go this week, I'm going to challenge you to formalize your top five. Write it down. Keep a, keep a note in your phone. Just keep a running list of, of the people in your life that God has placed in your life. And you might be planting seeds of, of hope for the very first time, or you might just be watering and discipling someone that's, that's struggling in their faith. And, you, you know, it doesn't matter. All of it is God's word. All of it is sowing. All of it is your responsibility. The reason they're in your life is for you to sow. You to share your story as it intersects with his story. So as you go this week, I want you to do that. And as you do that, just begin to pray. God, give me opportunities. Not to help Bob, not to help Sally, not to give me opportunities to be the person you've called me to be in their life because I accept the responsibility that they're in my circle. They're my top five. And it's only by God's power and it's only by his grace that we, not because of us, can point them to absolute hope that we know will change their life. Let's pray together.
Father God, we thankful, we're just so thankful for today, the day you've given us here, to gather together, to worship you, to hear your word, and to be challenged. And for those of us, God, that have never really felt the responsibility, God, I pray today that we would, that you would open our eyes and you would let the proper weight fill our soul for the command that you've given us to share you with the world. And God, I pray that for all of us that are overwhelmed and have been overwhelmed with with not wanting to hear no's and not wanting to upset people and not wanting to cause divisions in family and in friends and not wanting relationships to change and not really feeling like we know enough to be able to properly share who you are. God, would you just wipe away all those excuses? Help us understand what we are truly responsible for. And then God, only by your power and grace, give us the ability to just find those opportunities to sow and to water, and to care, and to encourage, and to meet needs, and to share the truth, and the light, and the hope, Jesus, that is you. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.